That's pretty good. It is a good time of year, right? Uh, we got March Madness, and so a number of our local teams uh, are winning or have made it pretty far, and so that's exciting. So that's a great time of year, fun to watch basketball. Not so much for my wife, Stephanie, because she calls it squeaky ball, because all she hears is the tennis shoes hitting the floor. She doesn't see anything else about the game. But for most of us, it's a lot of fun. And also, uh, baseball is starting up, right? Uh, I think baseball starts this week. The regular season starts this week, home opener. So that's awesome. A lot of you are on spring break. We've had spring breaks going on, so that's good. And... Uh, thanks, Mark, for leading us uh, through uh, Palm Sunday, observing Palm Sunday and thinking about the triumphant entry into Jerusalem of Jesus as our king, as our savior. And Easter is coming up next Sunday. Next Sunday on April 1st is going to be Easter. And so uh, that's a great time of year where we remember Christ as our savior. And also we get to eat a lot of chocolate and we get to think about cute bunnies and chicks and all kinds of cool stuff. So it's a great, great time of year. And I know what you're thinking right now, right? You're thinking this preacher brought his lunch, he brought his lunch pail. And I didn't sign up for this. This is going to be so long. He's going to last through lunch. And so um, I promise you that's uh, we're going to get to that a little bit later. But uh, this is not going to be that long. We're just going to talk for a few minutes. And uh, I'm not the, the regular preacher. I'm Clark. I'm one of the deacons here. Uh, and so. If you're visiting with us, um, as Stan uh, prayed about this morning, we are in a prayerful search for a new minister. And so we're hopeful that we're um, that God is leading someone to us to be our full time minister. So this morning, I want to reflect back on uh, last month when I preached about the giving challenge. And uh, for those of you that were here about a month ago in February, when we preached about that, what we did is that. We, w- we wanted to think about the challenge that God is offering us to use our lives to bless others, for God to be uh, giving us resources and that we turn our attention beyond our own instincts of uh, serving ourselves and thinking about serving others. And we actually challenged our teens and I brought our high schools up here on this stage and I gave them each an envelope with $20 in it. And I challenged each of them to, to, to try to find a need and go out and take that $20 and fill a need in our community. And, and so I haven't talked to every one of those, but the high, the high schoolers I have talked to um, did an awesome job, actually, with that challenge. And they went out and they found and uh, solved needs in our community. In fact... Uh, I know at least one of our high schoolers uh, found a need before they left service that Sunday, that there was a there was a member in our congregation that had a need and they knew that. And before they left the building, they had already taken that twenty dollars and given it to someone that needed it. So that's awesome to be able to see others needs beyond our own needs and that strong desire to serve ourselves. But yet overcoming that. And letting God be our guide and finding others' needs. I know high schoolers who um, knew of of, of one uh, of our members that is uh, is raising money to go on a mission trip this summer and uh, shared that money with and said, I want you to use this for the mission trip. And that uh, he got a text back saying, um, you know, you feel like a brother to me. 
So there was something that happened in that giving transaction that it wasn't just a $20 bill, but also it felt spiritual to the giver and also to the receiver, where there was a brotherhood and a sisterhood that was established because of that gift. I know uh, in a couple of instances, um, people bought food for people um, that maybe don't have as much as much money. And I know uh, one of our young teens um, went and served the family that's living in our transitional housing and bought them pizza and ate pizza with them. I know uh, one of our teens was in a group and knew of uh, one of the members of the group that couldn't afford to participate in a meal. And so to smooth it out, he just said, I'll pay for this and use that money in order so that everyone felt comfortable and no one knew the person that was uh, truly in need and that person felt comfortable. And so um, these are just a few examples of our teens demonstrating to us that when we are able to turn our attention away from ourselves and we think of ourselves as a vehicle to use God's blessings for others, that great things can happen. And so I Turn that challenge back to you, to you adults and still you teens, uh, to be able to think of your life as uh, a challenge to be able to give to others and to use the resources we are given uh, so that we overcome our own selfish and sort of vain ambition. And we overcome our natural instinct to only serve ourselves and we begin to serve others. How much blessing can God trust you with? You know, in First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20, it says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And as we begin to think about our bodies as a place where God places his spirit once we've accepted Christ, that his spirit lives within us. And we begin to think about, well, then uh, this body has been taken over by God's spirit. Boy, that's an awesome thought, isn't it? Isn't that an incredible thought that God's spirit can actually be inside of each of us? And when we think about it in that context, I think that we begin to understand that what we can give away to others is more than just the material $20. That we can actually share God's spirit with others. We can share his Holy Spirit with others. And I want to talk a little bit about that today and how we might see that. And But before I do that, I want to tell you about an experiment was done by some Canadian researchers in the 1970s, and they published the research in the early 1980s, and it was called Rat Park, Rat Park. And so if you Google it, you can read about this very interesting experiment. What they did is that they uh, took they took rats and they built a sort of an amusement park for rats. So if you think about an amusement park for rats, there were um you know, little spinning wheels, and there were places where they could uh, crawl into crevices, and they built a, a giant amusement park for rats. And so that was sort of uh, one side of the experiment. And in the center of the experiment, they had um, they had places where the rats could drink. 
And there were two different places that were identical, except that one of the drinks had pure water and the other had water laced with opioids, laced with uh, drugs that would induce um, uh, a a nice sensation. Uh, And so and then in the final part, they had isolation chambers where the rats would be isolated in the dark for a long period of time. So what they discovered was very interesting, that when the rats will start with uh, the isolation chamber, when the rats were by themselves and separated from the other rats and in the dark and they would get thirsty and then they would let them out to choose which water they would drink, they would overwhelmingly choose the opioid in, uh, infused water, the drug water. And when they let the rats over in Rat Park, with uh, a bunch of other rats. They let them play around for a few hours and get thirsty, just uh, enjoying themselves in Rat Park. They had the fast pass. They could get on every little amusement, rat amusement toy. And then when they got thirsty and when they came in to get water, they overwhelmingly would choose the clean water and not the opioid-infused water. So what does this mean? Well, it's actually, uh, it reveals... uh, pretty simple truth about us, which is this, that when we are lonely, when we don't feel that um, we have what we need, when we're stressed out, that we will take the quickest route to feeling better and we'll take drugs and uh, drug induced water. And this is what these rats did, which is the same as what we see in our society today, that when people are stressed out and when they um, they don't they are lonely and when they don't feel comfortable, and they don't feel secure that they will turn to drugs or um, other quick fixes to try to make their lives feel better. But when you've, you've been to Rat Park, when your life is fulfilled, when you've been socialized with others and when you have good friends that you can uh, go on the rat wheel with, you don't need that opioid-induced water. And even though it's there and maybe um, it has, it would make you feel better, you're like, I don't need to. I already feel good. I don't need it. And what the truth is, I believe the application for us today as we gather together and search for God and search for His Holy Spirit in our life is that if we have God's Spirit living within us and if we rely on God's Spirit... We don't need quick fixes. We don't need the things in life that can be dangerous to us. We don't need opioid induced water because we are satisfied by the spirit of God. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, In John 14, Jesus promised us his Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. This is the Holy Spirit he's referring to. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him if he lives within you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. 
Listen to that, that I am in my father, that Jesus is completely linked with his father, that you are in me, that we are in Christ. We've accepted Christ as our savior and that I am in you meaning the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving to be dwelling within you. So even though that Jesus. Was lifted up and resurrected and went to live with God in heaven, he said, I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you. And so if the Holy Spirit is left with us, that means the Holy Spirit is with us today in you. God is here in the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. And we see in Scripture that we are constantly encouraged to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. And so... um, this is where I open my lunchbox and I actually asked Austin to come up and, and help me. I said, Austin. So at breakfast this morning, I said to Austin, I said, hey, can you help me with this uh, uh, little demonstration during the sermon? And he said, yeah, what's it going to be? And I said, well, uh, it's actually going to be a ch- chocolate milk. And so do you remember what your answer was? I said, if, if it, God wants me to do it, then I'll <laughs> That's right. So uh, we're going to make some chocolate milk. So hold that. All right. So we got some milk here. And uh, this is real milk that I bought at the store this morning. You did you, you see see me buy this, actually, I think. All right. So here we go. OK, so the milk represents you. All right. Yeah. So you are the milk. Yeah. You got that. All right. And you're very familiar with this. Yes. All right. Hershey's chocolate syrup. Okay. so uh, for today, right now, this Hershey syrup, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of God being poured out on you. All right. Ooh, that was ugly. All right. Okay, so there, right? You got chocolate milk. Not quite. Well, taste it and see. Yeah, but it doesn't taste like chocolate milk yet, does it? What's wrong? You got to stir it. This is important, folks. This is the lesson. You got to stir it. All right, so let's let's stir it. And, and I didn't I didn't invent this. I mean, I didn't invent chocolate milk and I didn't invent this demonstration. Uh, uh, someone else showed me this. All right. So here's Austin's. This is Austin. We're stirring him up because he's got the Holy Spirit that was settled in the bottom. And now. All right. Now try it. Good. Satisfying. This is what God called you to today. All right. Go. You can take that with you. All right. Yeah. So the point is, you're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the problem is that oftentimes you're like a glass of milk and that God pours his spirit into you and you let it settle down to the, the, you know, the bottom of your feet. And it settles there and you don't stir it up. And so you walk around the world with unstirred chocolate, with unstirred Holy Spirit and the world taste you and you don't taste much like the father. You don't taste much like the spirit. Because you're not stirring the spirit up within you. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. 
See, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not that the Holy Spirit's not within you. It's just you haven't stirred it up. You got to stir it up within you. You got to get it going so that it begins to impact every area of your life. And we see that we as we look through the Bible, that there are all these people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they they do these sort of tremendous, incredible things. And so we see that um, in the book of Acts, that as the church is forming, that there are needs that are developed out in the, you know, in congregations. And so uh, Paul instructs the church to appoint deacons so that they can take care of the needs of the church and take care of widows and orphans and uh, other needs that are being developed. And so when he says to pick men, he says, pick men who are full of the spirit. Because being full of the spirit means that you are confident that God has saved you, that you are comfortable in your skin, in the skin that God has given you, and that you are able to push down your own desires and your own needs in order to serve others and to do that comfortably. So that's what the spirit does. It allows you to serve others and to feel that that's normal and that that's easy. And my life's going to be fine when I'm serving others. And that's what's uh, being full of the Holy Spirit. And so when we pick men to be deacons, we need to pick men that have figured out how to stir up the spirit within them. We also see that, uh, you know, that both Jesus is referred to someone that is, is full of the Holy Spirit, but also Paul. Paul is often referred to someone as that is uh, full of the Holy Spirit. And we know that they did incredible things and were able to serve in really um, incredible circumstances where people don't necessarily like the uh, what they're saying and sometimes were persecute them because of what they're saying. But being filled with the Holy Spirit makes them comfortable with that. I'm okay if I can. Walk through life and serve God and other. Not everyone's going to agree with that. I'm OK with that. I'm comfortable because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. and The Holy Spirit gives me peace. We see, uh, you know, that Stephen, uh, who was a bold proclaimer of the gospel, was able to boldly proclaim the gospel. And because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he, in fact, when Stephen is proclaiming the gospel in Acts chapter seven, um, he uh, in fact, he recognizes that the Holy Spirit is within him. And he says this in, in verse fifty five, he says, uh, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazes into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Actually, that so infuriated the people that he was speaking to that they stoned him. Right there. Um, But while they're stoning him, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So so something that Jesus said, right? He emulates what Jesus does because he is filled with the Holy Spirit and he's comfortable serving God even to that extreme. At our uh, Camp Inicomo in the uh, summer, at the end of the week, we give away a few awards just to recognize uh, some of the great things that have been done by our campers and two of the awards we give one is called the Barnabas Award and we give a Tabitha Award. 
And when you study uh, Barnabas and Tabitha, what you learn is that they were encouragers, that they uh, were called out in the Bible as people that encouraged other people. And in fact, uh, Barnabas was, uh, when you read the description of Barnabas, you read in that one of the things that it was said about him, other than he was a good man, was that he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And so there has to be something about being full of the Holy Spirit that causes you to look out beyond your own circumstance and help others. Um, now, I was thinking about, you know, this this sort of uh, thought about uh, being full of the Holy Spirit and, and trying to think about, you know, God's perspective. And, you know, what God must, you know, look down on us and he's trying to pour his spirit into us. And, you know, sometimes we're sort of, I don't know, maybe not for you, but for me, I, I, I feel like I must be seen to God like an unwilling participant. Like God's like, OK, there's Clark and I'm going to pour my spirit into him. And and, you know, and he starts to do that. It looks and to him probably looks like I take a you know step aside. Here's the spirit pouring down. And, oh, no, God, you know, I'm not quite sure that I'm ready to be fully full of your Holy Spirit. And it's not that I'm resistant to God. It's just that um, there are points in my life where I'm uncomfortable. Right. Where I'm walking around in this world and I don't feel Fully comfortable. And I think that's because I haven't quite in that instance stirred up the Holy Spirit in my life. And one of the things that um, as we think about, well, how do we actually stir up the spirit? How do we get that generosity of spirit? And I think that um, part of the secret to this, part of the secret, I believe, is that is actually stopping and listening. That's probably not what you expected me to say. Um, but it's sort of, you know, as we think about Easter, it's sort of the rabbit way. What do you mean by that? Well, rabbits, if if you Google about rabbit uh, behavior, and actually I did this this morning to make sure that I was right in this because I was taught when, uh, when I was young that that if you if you have a wild rabbit and if if the rabbit starts to run, if you whistle, the rabbit will stop and put its ears up and listen. And the, the reason for that is that they have great hearing. That's why they have those big ears. Right. It's like a rabbit. Um, and so when there's danger around them, when they hear something, they want to make sure that they can hear it and know what direction is coming from. And they're actually very quick. Um, but their endurance isn't so great. But they want so they want to be able to use that to be able to listen and fully assess the situation. And then when they can, then they spurt off and they run to where they need to run in order to avoid danger or to, to go to the right direction. Now, actually, if you Google about rabbit behavior, you'll get some really strange things that come up. So I'm just warning you about that. Um, and one of the things this morning was how to give CPR to your rabbit. And so I was kind of grossed out by that. But um, but this natural instinct that they have to stop and listen, I believe, is an important uh, discipline that we need to learn as Christians in order that we can stir up the Holy Spirit. And so uh, 
I, I think about this in, uh, you know, as we sing. And I think that singing and music can stir up the Holy Spirit within you. And we've talked about this before. And it's, it's one of the reasons that we sing every week and that we have these hymns. And it's one of the reasons that I would suggest to you that you find time in your week to listen to spiritual songs and to concentrate on them and to really listen and let God stir the Holy Spirit within you. Because I find that to be quite powerful. In fact, I've even found myself in circumstances where I'm, you know, I'm thinking about um, a decision to make or thinking about, you know, which direction I should go. And I will find a spiritual song that's just there in my mind, in my in my soul, in my being. And I and oftentimes it has something to do with, you know, what I'm considering. And I believe that that's God stirring the Holy Spirit uh, inside you. But, you know, one of the things that I have to be careful about is that, you know, I do like to sing. And so oftentimes I sing too loud. And I kind of scare the babies that are in front of me. And so, you know, uh, and so I have to be and. And as we're singing here, you know, there are times where um, you don't want to sing so loud that you can't hear everyone else and hear the other voices. Right. And so you can try too hard at times, I think, to stir the Holy Spirit and but to make sure that we are listening, that we're listening to uh, the, the voice of God, stirring the Holy Spirit inside us and listening to hear what he has to say to us and uh, and not. Uh, trying so hard within our own lives that we are missing out. You know, in that chocolate milk example, um, the spirit was there, just needed to be stirred. How was the chocolate milk, by the way? Was it good? All right. Okay, awesome. And we want to be, to everyone that we encounter, we want to be the best representation of God that we can be. And the only way to do that is to fully stir the Holy Spirit through our lives. And so that if you think about your life and everyone that you meet, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if God could count on you that every one of those people feels the presence of God within your being just because they met you? So I think that's a huge challenge. And, I, and um, it's, a, it's a huge challenge to me. And but I believe that that's what God is calling us to. That's what he means when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that uh, and that that will cause you to be a more giving person. So a month ago, we talked about and we sort of focused on this idea of uh, material giving, the talents that we give. But I want you to think about the giving that you can give by being filled with God's spirit and passing on God's spirit and his warmth and his comfort to others. And so we think about God, you know, up there pouring his spirit into all of us and then us going out into the world and being able to disperse his spirit, to pass his spirit on to others, to pass his love, his forgiveness, his kindness. Um, that's an awesome thought. And so this morning for you, I want you to think on this Palm Sunday of your Savior, Jesus, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, which is what was uh, foretold a thousand years earlier that that's what would happen. 
And here comes Jesus and you recognize in your life, you recognize that's my savior. That's my savior. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus has come into our lives and given us the gift of God's Holy Spirit. And this should cause us to be a giving community, not just in this room, but throughout this community. And so that is uh, God's challenge that I'm passing along to you and to me and to us this morning, that we be the giving community of God filled with his spirit. And we're going to stand and sing. And um, if you are feeling challenged in any way and want to have uh, the prayers of this congregation or anything that we can do for you uh, through the eldership this morning, I ask that you come and stand and sing as we proclaim our Savior and as we as a body of Christ live out the Holy Spirit of God. Jerome.